We all know that water is vital for life. In fact, we ourselves are made mostly of water, although the percentage drops as we grow older. A newborn baby is 75% water. At one year of age, we are by weight 65% water. Adult men are made up of 60% water, while adult women are 55% water. With water forming such a large part of our Constitution, it makes sense that water is more crucial to our survival than food. One can survive up to two months without food, but usually only a week or so without water. And that's why thirst is such an important physical symptom. When our blood volume is depleted, or when the fluids in our bodies become too concentrated, our brains receive the signal that we need to take in more fluid. But here's the thing. Sometimes we misinterpret that signal. We misread the symptoms of our bodies or the thirst signal itself. And so we try to satisfy our thirst with something other than water. Sometimes we mistake our thirst for hunger. And so instead of having something to drink, we eat. And usually we're craving food with lots of carbs. We often treat the headache of dehydration with Tylenol and not with the tall glass of fluid that our body needs. Or we treat the fatigue of dehydration with a nap or the bad breath it brings with Altoids, or the irritability with just going off by ourselves. The truth is that we can mask our thirst with all kinds of things, overlooking the very thing that we most dearly need. I think this can be true of all the deepest needs in our lives. We can overlook them, or misread them, or try to fill them with other things. Why do we do this instead of just facing our real thirst head on? Well, maybe we don't want to confess our thirst, not to ourselves and not to others either, because to admit that we are thirsty deep down would make us feel exposed and vulnerable. That's why today's gospel reading is so shocking. Not just that Jesus was speaking to a woman, and a Samaritan woman at that, but that two people could be so honest with one another about their thirst. The first thing that Jesus says to the woman at the well is, Give me a drink. I don't believe this was just an entree into a conversation. He is really thirsty, and he lets it be known. He also recognizes the woman's thirst, not just the thirst that brought her to the well, but the deeper spiritual thirst in her life. And so Jesus offers her living water, saying, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman says to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. She admits that she has a deep, unquenchable thirst. Although at this point in the story, she's probably still talking about that physical thirst. But when Jesus explains that he is the Messiah, she immediately leaves her water jug and runs to the village. Her thirst for water can no longer mask her thirst for what will most truly save her. 
It can no longer mask her thirst for that which will give her complete and eternal life. I suspect that we all carry around empty water jugs. I suspect that we all have these places within us that are empty. We try to stuff these empty places with things that mask the thirst or that stifle the longing. We might try filling them with the esteem and affection of others, with the security of a good job or a wonderful place to live, with judgments and criticisms that make us feel like we are better than others, or with the high of adventure or of various other substances. If we are honest, we know that these are at best temporary fixes. They don't address our deepest need. Sometimes they just keep us from recognizing our real need. Sometimes they even make that hole in us deeper. We just become thirsty again. Truth be told, nothing that we do can really fill these empty places within us. For in the words of the Samaritan woman, we have no bucket and the well is deep. Our thirst can only be quenched by the spring of water gushing up in us to eternal life. Our empty places can only be filled by God. It is only God who can break the rock and let the waters flow. Lent is the time of year when we stop trying to mask our thirst. When we stop filling up our lives with all these things that won't really meet our deepest need, but just leave us all the more hungry, all the more thirsty. Lent is the time when we come face to face with the empty water jugs that we all carry around. It's the time when we take out all the stuff that we've tried to fill our emptiness with and instead leave space for God. So here are the questions that I hope that we are left with today. Where is our deepest thirst, the place that cries out in us to be filled with God? What are the things we have tried to mask or fill that emptiness with? And what do we need to take out so that that place can be filled with God? Macrina Whitaker is a sister at St. Scholastica Convent in Fort Smith, and she's also one of my favorite poets. She's written a poem called Prayer of the Empty Water Jar. Jesus, I come to the warmth of your presence, knowing that you are the very emptiness of God. I come before you holding the water jar of my life. Your eyes meet mine, and I know what I'd rather not know. I came to be filled, but I am already full. I am too full. This is my sickness. I am full of things that crowd out your healing presence. A holy knowing steals inside my heart, and I see the painful truth. I don't need more. I need less. I am too full. I am full of things that block out your golden grace. I am smothered by gods of my own creation. I am lost in the forest of my false self. I am full of my own opinions and narrow attitudes, full of fear, resentment, control full of self-pity and arrogance. Slowly this terrible truth pierces my heart. I am so full, 
there is no room for you. Contemplatively and with compassion, you ask me to reach into my water jar. One by one, Jesus, you enable me to lift out the things that are a hindrance to my wholeness. I take each one to my heart. I hear you asking me, why is this so important to you? Like the murmur of a gentle stream, I hear you calling, let go, let go, let go. I pray with each obstacle, tasting the bitterness and grief it has caused. Finally, I sit with my empty water jar. I hear you whisper, you have become a space for God. Now there is hope. Now you are ready to be a channel of life. You have given up your own agenda. There is nothing left but God. Where are the empty places inside of us? And what are all the things that we try to fill them up with?